The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, it's Sunday evening, Monday morning. And so as you all know, I took Saturday off, ladies and gentlemen, and I do apologize for that, but I ran a couple of great reruns. I actually put up uh, episode one our first episode and frankly i didn't want to listen to it because i know uh, that i've gotten better i'm not as good as i'm going to be a year from now but i've gotten better since the first episode we're 109 episodes in so i didn't listen to it but i figured there was a lot of new people starting to listen to this show i could see by the analytics so i figured what the hell we'll put out episode one and for those of you that don't know i try to keep these shows evergreen and they are about 99 percent evergreen i don't really do daily news i'm building this as a library of content for folks that want to learn about this technocracy that we are living under and the true history of our country and every episode i've done really lays that out we focus on that i'm not telling the story in a particular order yet i'm still working through all the different stories all the different pieces and eventually when we get three four five six hundred episodes in i may do a summary type documentary on everything we learn and kind of put the true history of this country together in fact today folks I was trying to clean up an old SoundCloud account where I was going to put some of the full episodes together to be able to send to some of my friends so that they can get the uh, free podcast in full form with no ads so I can kind of tease them into listening and then get them either to subscribe to pain.tv slash gold or uh, to listen on the free side to the chopped up segments. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I can't give this away for free to everyone. You either got to listen to the ads or you've got to join pain.tv slash gold uh, or you'll be able to subscribe to the ad-free RSS feed that we're working on now because I've got to be able to you know feed my wife and my child but i found a 30 minute clip of me from october 2021 when i was still driving around delivering uh for instacart doing the online gig work grocery shopping stuff and it was pretty amazing i was laying it out i think for maria albanese co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays my feeling uh towards what was going on with covid land the high school theater production and how i could possibly lend my voice my knowledge my skill set to the world and i was going to basically create a multi-part documentary on the history of technocracy and how to survive it and thrive within it and i was saying to her i don't really want to do a podcast yet because i think we need to launch with a documentary it was frankly fascinating and i'm gonna actually upload it uh at some point i'm thinking somewhere maybe around christmas 
And so you guys will be able to hear what I was thinking about a year ago. So that would have been uh, about eight months before I actually started doing the Dust and Gold Standard podcast. I I've totally forgot about it. I just came across it. So anyway, I took yesterday off uh, because my uh, wife had sent me out. Yeah, you know, she was watching uh, Willie, and we got to kind of work around his schedule. So I had to run out in the morning to Farmer Carol's, that Sycamore Spring Farm. That's the community-supported agriculture farm that we joined in April. And I run out there usually every Saturday morning, even if I don't really need anything. It's just very peaceful. But I pick up organic eggs from her. Um, that she gets from the chickens there at her farm. And then also she has a couple neighboring organic farms she gets stuff from. And so I picked up some eggs and then I had a uh, basket. So we're out of the season now. Basically, we join at the beginning of the season in like March. And then we uh, would pick up a box every other week because it was only the two of us. And we'd have about you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 different items in that box, different vegetables, depending on, you know, what part of the season we're in. Obviously, in the summer, uh, you get more stuff because there's more vegetables growing. But then the season ended about, uh, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. But you can buy for, I think it's 30 dollars for a nine item basket or 55 dollars for a 18 item basket and basically she has a menu of stuff you just circle what you want you give her the order and then you pick it up the following week and it's really a value it comes out to like between three and three dollars and fifty cents an item and for instance one of the items i got was beets so she keeps the beets from her garden in her cooling room that she has out in this barn and she gave us, she, she cuts the tops off the beets, obviously, because the greens start to wilt over time. But the beets are still good. And it's sad because I love to cook beet greens. But she gave me a bag of like nine beets. That would have been literally about nine, ten, twelve dollars alone at the grocery store of organic beets. So it's really a value. And so I went there and it was the first time I introduced my sister who lives about 12 minutes from me. She lives in downtown Frederick. I live on the outskirts between the suburbs and the rural area of Frederick. And she wanted to meet Carol. My sister's kind of this hippie hippie dippy type person uh really good hearted she's a social worker she just finally got her license that's going to allow her to create her own practice after many many years folks after i don't know 18 years of being in the social work uh business and so she wants to do some really creative stuff and one of the ideas i had for her was to create some programs around carol's farm and basically bring these troubled kids down autistic kids and stuff that she works with and create internships at the farm and so it was a fascinating conversation because carol has uh, four kids uh, they're all grown up, but the one of them, he is autistic and he lives with her. So Carol has kind of built her farm and her business around being able to help her autistic son. And she's going to talk about this when she comes on the show. But every time I'm with Carol, I learn something totally new about her past. She goes back hundreds of years in this country. Her family owned all kinds of land. They were uh, not Amish, but very similar to the Amish. And when she got in her 30s and 40s, she really got into researching community service, uh, community supported agriculture. And back then there was no internet, so she used to go to the library. She read all kinds of books and she happened to buy this uh, 10 acre piece of land 
uh, when she was in her mid-30s. She really wanted to do it. She just didn't. And when she turned 50, she said, that's it, Carol. You're going to build this farm. And so she turned the 10 acres into this community-supported agriculture farm. And now she leases about 55 acres across the street where she has cattle. She has another 60 acres that came uh, as an inheritance uh, from her family out in Virginia, about six hours away, that she always wanted to turn into a farm. And now she's turning 69 this year. She knows she's not going to be able to do that. So we had really in-depth conversation with her and my sister talking about program ideas. I was doing some research. Uh, my business mind kicked into gear about the possibility of helping my sister build out a farm that could turn into a counseling center. And so it may serve multiple purposes. So anyway, those conversations are in the works. I'll share more on that uh, when the time is right, when it's appropriate, because we're thinking creatively on how to pool resources and maybe be able to get some uh, some farmland uh, with the guidance of Carol. Carol is a character. You guys are going to love her. I do this impression of her. She loves it. She always tells these stories. So one of the things we got during thanksgiving was this blue hubbard squash it's a big big giant squash um i used to joke about uh my wife when she was still pregnant that she had a blue hubbard squash underneath her shirt uh, and i made um uh, roasted the blue hubbard squash and i turned it into uh like i froze it in cubes and then i had made a blue hubbard squash with uh like a uh uh, what kind of cheese i forget what kind of cheese i had put on top but it was really good and then i made a blue hubbard squash soup for thanksgiving my family loved it and then i made a modified version of it uh, a few days later it was like i perfected it and i like to take recipes and multiple recipes and combine them together try them out and then i go and i'll modify it and so this blue hubbard squash soup had like a maple syrup and a cayenne pepper and a little bit of lime really really good stuff so carol would have a story about her friends up in harper's ferry west virginia that grows the organic blue hubbard squash and she'll say oh oh that came from mikey and millie johansson they're the ones that grow the blue hubbard squash they've got 12 acres oh it's so amazing up there the history of the blue hubbard squash dustin it's so incredible and that's how she talks and she's the greatest storyteller so she'll be on this show soon i'm hoping in the next couple of weeks and we're actually planning out multiple episodes now so she's going to talk about her family's history in this country she is going to talk about her son's autism and the battle she had with the public indoctrination center school system she is going to talk about her research into CSAs and how she built up this farm, really inspiring story. And then she's going to get into farming in harmony with nature and her battles with corporate farms over the years. And she's going to give out some tips and some secrets. And I'm going to help her really pass on her legacy to all of you folks. And then hopefully she will stick in your mind and you'll tell people about her. And that's how I will contribute to helping a very fantastic, very energetic, very entertaining, very wise, very knowledgeable woman's soul live on. So when Carol is gone and uh leaves this world she will live on through the stories that you tell because she is just a 
such a fascinating person so i've got multiple episodes that we're planning and then in the spring when the farm gets up and running right now obviously it's winter so it's dying down she's still got sun chokes and some other things she grows all the way through january and now she's making um she makes a lot of jams and jellies that she sells in the off season so uh we'll be able to learn a lot from her in the spring i'll go down there and shoot a mini documentary around her farm and show her uh planting and getting uh, everything ready plus she breeds australian shepherd hounds there these incredible dogs uh beautiful dogs and so she does that it's just an amazing place and when you go there it's got a house that predates i believe the revolutionary war it's from like the 1600s i think and that's her main house out in the back she has a barn and outbuildings it's just an incredible place and it's a great place to escape to on saturday morning so i went there yesterday morning introduced my sister to farmer carol and then I had to run to the grocery store and pick up some stuff. I came home. I baked a lot of bread. And then I was getting together uh, this list of stuff I need for these Christmas baskets we're going to give out to some of our friends. That's going to include some of Carol's jellies, some bread I make. And then my wife's running to the Polish store about 40 minutes from here uh, next week. She's going to pick up some Polish candies uh, that we're going to put in the baskets as well so by the time i was sitting down and getting ready to record i said you know i don't know if i feel like talking about the international monetary fund and central bank digital currency today so i said i feel like hanging out my wife and my baby so that's what i did folks i decided to take it off and i put a little message out on twitter i put up a couple of rerun shows i figured i'd give you guys a chance to catch up because a lot of people have been reaching out to me saying it's very hard and difficult to stay on top of seven episodes a week and i apologize folks but when i'm cranking i'm in the mood i'm motivated that's what i'm doing seven episodes a week because there's just so many stories to tell so tonight there's a few things i want to cover and then we're going to get into this um, international monetary fund central bank digital currency piece and that's going to lead us into an april world government summit video we're going to watch not tonight probably tomorrow we need to review that because they're actually talking openly about a new world order something that all of us would have been called conspiracy theorists for mentioning in fact when you find the original video on youtube underneath is a fact check by youtube supplied by wikipedia that says a new world order and one world government is a conspiracy theory yet this is a panel discussion with world elites and the question they're asking of the panel is are we ready for a new world order <laughs> yeah it's right out in the open i watched it back in april 2022 when it came out folks uh and I, i've been saving it and then i remembered because i reran an interview i did with dan Golvach, good friend of mine uh yesterday i reran that and he brought it up so i said oh you know what this would be a good time to work it in because it ties into world bank imf um bank for international settlements and everything else we're doing here so when i get back a couple things before we get into that i want to show you a clip from a movie called no escape which came out in 2015 it ties right into this and then i want to introduce you to a book that my wife read almost 20 years ago when she was in college that actually was the book that convinced her not to take an internship at the world bank which she was going 
to do. As a European immigrant here going to college, she was drawn towards this idea as someone who liked to travel. She's been to 47 countries, including Poland, where she's from, and the United States, where we live now. She's been to 47 countries, and she had this idea. She wanted to save the world and help the world. And so when you're in college at American University, you get driven towards you know the World Bank and the United Nations, especially as an immigrant who speaks multiple languages. They try to suck you in. And so she almost interned for the World Bank, and then she read this book which convinced her not to do it so i want to share that with you and then uh, in the meantime i'm trying to hunt down the author because it looks like he's still alive and see if maybe we can get him on as a guest folks when i get back we'll talk about this movie no escape my name is dustin gold and i'm going to escape to a break this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, before we get into No Escape, let me just mention this too, right? So a bunch of you have reached out to me on Twitter, Pain.tv slash gold, a bunch of places, saying, hey, I was listening to the show, and I want to make that bread. So I sent a bunch of people the uh, modified bread recipe. Now, it's constantly changing, all right? Every single time I make a new loaf, which is about every day now, I'm just really experimenting with this stuff because it's cheap enough to do it. I mean, the biggest cost is running the electricity to turn the... uh, to turn the oven on but um i sent everybody the latest version of that i'll post that up at pain.tv slash gold it's good i've been making this everything bagel fresh garlic fresh parmesan cheese basil and oregano bread and i top it with a flaky salt uh those little black seeds that some people call them black sesame seeds and uh, some basil on the top of it. It's been really good. Today, I'm actually going to do a jalapeno cheddar bread. And so my mother, who got me started on this stuff, because she's always experimenting with recipes down at her house in Texas, just uh, got her new sourdough starter going because she stopped making sourdough bread for a while. So she's got that going. I've got one going now. And so she's going to be experimenting. And whenever she experiments, then she'll send me recipes. She'll say, hey, I modified this. This is really good. So we're going to be making some rye bread pumpernickel bread wheat breads she just sent me a uh, pizza dough recipe she has it's really good so she's been making a lot of pizza dough and then freezing it up and making these thin crust pizzas so anyways i experiment with this stuff i'll share it with you and uh, i told you yesterday or the day before i was going to start doing some research on being able to make this bread on a fire so you could cook the bread over hot coals inside your cast iron non-enameled dutch oven basically you bury it in the hot coals now in the end I don't think you're going to get the top as crusty because in the oven method, you take the lid off the Dutch oven and then the heat ends up surrounding the bread in the final 10 minutes of the cook, right? So it makes it nice and crispy. So I'm going to experiment with that, but I'm also looking at 
the possibility of building sort of an outdoor brick enclosure where I can cook a bunch of bread. Like I said, I'm trying to create an off-the-grid method. Now, I'm probably not going to do it where we live now, although I could do it here. Like, uh, there's no HOA or anything. But uh, we rent this. We don't own this. So I'm going to wait until we secure uh, a couple of acres, few acres out in West Virginia where I can build an outdoor oven that I can bake a lot of bread in and i also started doing research into storing the flour so i have some more reading to do but basically if you can vacuum pack the flour and then store it in a cool dry place like a little vegetable cellar type of situation i'm looking to do this without a freezer or refrigeration i want to be able to do it without electricity that's the whole point of this experiment and so if you vacuum pack it apparently you can store the bread flour up to 10 years. Now, don't take my word on this yet. I'm still doing research. So as I do more, I will share that with you. But my goal is to be able to buy, let's say, 10 years worth of flour if I only had to live off bread and be able to store that flour somewhere where I have my outdoor bread oven and be able to uh, survive off the grid if I had to. Not that I think I'm going to end up in that situation, but I figure, what the hell? We talk about solutions. We're talking about preparing for this, how to live half Amish, which is going to become more of the theme of the show as we move forward uh, in the coming year, 2023. So I'm going to share all this stuff with you guys as I figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. I think it would be... Uh, it would be something that you guys would appreciate, especially since I see how many people wrote me about the bread. And Maria Albanese, I think she's on her third loaf today. So she's over there cranking out the bread. And then my sister's coming over the house later today. It's Sunday. And I'm going to teach her how to make the bread. So see this? This is how you pass on people's legacy. It comes from my mom. My mom gives it to me. I modify it. I pass it on. And now there's like two, three dozen of you out there that have written me that are making bread now. So uh, I love it. I think it's fantastic, folks. And this isn't a food show, but I do love food, ladies and gentlemen. I do love food. So anyway, that's a positive thing. Now, let me show you this, because as we've been talking about the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, how they rose into power in 19, uh, 1944, about a year before the uh, World War II ended, and in 1930, the rise of the Bank for International Settlements, which is the bank for the World Banks. And then my wife brings up this book, which I'm going to show you uh, momentarily. And then Wide Awake Jim's sending me a bunch of stuff. And so as I pointed out, as we did the history, I mean the basic mainstream narrative history of the World Bank, IMF, and BIS, I told you, it's almost as if these situations, these wars, these catastrophes, uh, these financial collapses happen on purpose, and then the World Bank is waiting in the wings with a check. And they're like, hey, uh, we know that your country was destroyed in the war, but don't worry. We have a check for $15 billion to dig new water wells for you. You just have to give us your sovereignty, right? So it reminded me of this movie that I watched a while ago called No Escape. I just have the Wikipedia up here. No Escape, a 2015 film. It says, No Escape is a 2015 American action thriller film directed by John Eric Dowdle, who co-wrote the screenplay with his brother, Drew Dowdle. 
The film stars Owen Wilson, Lake Bell, and Pierce Brosnan and tells the story of an expat engineer trapped with his family in an unidentified country in Southeast Asia during a violent uprising. I mean, I remember watching this. It hit home. I mean, not that it's like a documentary or anything. I watched it for purely entertainment, but everything has a message in it, right? So it says here, the film was released on August 26, 2015 by the Weinstein Company. Yeah, that would be Harvey Weinstein. Doesn't mean he didn't put out good movies, folks. It had special sneak previews in the Philippines on August 16, 17, 2015, as well as multiple pre-screenings throughout the United States before its official release. Now, let me just explain to you the plot a bit, because I have to put this into context for you, all right, before I actually play the clip. It says, in an unidentified country in Southeast Asia, a prime minister closes a deal with a representative of Carl Diff, an American company specializing in water systems. After the representative leaves, a group of armed rebels initiate a coup d'etat and assassinate the prime minister. 17 hours earlier, Jack Dwyer, who's played by Owen Wilson, a new Cardiff employee, arrives in the country with his wife, Annie, that's Lake Bell, and their young daughters, Lucy and Brigel. Uh, at the airport, they run into a Briton named Hammond, and that's played by Pierce Brosnan, and his local friend nicknamed Kenny Rogers, who give the Dwyers a ride to their hotel. All right, you got that so far? So you got Owen Wilson. He's this engineer. He shows up in this uh, unknown Southeast Asia country, and he's there with his family. He moves there, and basically his job is he's going to help set up this new water system. And so Pierce Brosnan's there. He's a uh, Briton with his buddy who gives uh, Owen Wilson's family a ride to the hotel. All right? The next morning, Jack leaves the hotel to buy a newspaper and inadvertently finds finds himself in the middle of a confrontation between armed protesters and riot police. The two forces clash violently as Jack makes his escape and the protesters gain the upper hand. Jack witnesses rebels executing an American outside his hotel. A rebel soldier then spots Jack, forcing him to quickly climb a fire escape and enter the hotel through a window. The rebels break through the main hotel entrance and begin slaughtering the staff and guests. Yeah, it was not a typical Owen Wilson film, folks. Um, you know Owen Wilson more from comedies with other uh, co-stars like Vince Vaughn, which they do make a great team. All right, I will say Wedding Crashers uh, was hilarious. Uh, the Interns, that's where they work at Google. That was really funny. But uh, let's see. It says Jack makes it back to the room but learns that Lucy is downstairs in the swimming pool. He goes back down to get her just as the rebels force their way into the pool area, while Annie narrowly manages to keep the other rebels from entering their room. Jack returns. So his daughter's down at the pool, all right? So it says Jack returns with Lucy, that's his daughter, and they all make their way up to the roof to join the other surviving guests. Hundreds of rebels are gathered at the base of the hotel ch chanting blood for water 
and Jack learns the rebels are protesting foreign corporations' control of their water supply. Suddenly, a helicopter appears holding armed rebels who immediately open fire. The Dwyers run for cover as the helicopter becomes entangled in electrical wires and crashes. As another group of rebels breaks through the barricaded door onto the roof, Jack and his family jump onto the roof of another building next to the hotel. The Dwyers hide in the building until nightfall, but upon leaving, Jack is spotted by a looting rebel who attempts to call for help. Jack pins the man down and kills him. Annie finds a map of the city and they decide they need to make their way to the American embassy. They take clothes from the dead office workers to disguise themselves as locals and then make their way through the town on a stolen moped. Upon arriving at the embassy, they discover it has been overrun and seemingly deserted. A small group of rebels spots the family and they flee, taking shelter in a Buddhist shrine garden nearby. All right, let's continue, folks. I'm serious. There's a purpose to this. And uh, it's just it's an amazing clip from this film. All right, and it really, really, really does. It's it's like a meme scene of everything we've been talking about. It says the rebels enter the compound, and as Jack attempts to take one of their guns, Annie comes out of hiding to draw attention away from him. Jack tries to shoot the leader, Samming, but the gun is unloaded. The rebels then beat and restrain Jack as Salmon prepares to rape Annie. Hammond and Kenny arrive, okay, so that's Pierce Brosnan and his partner, and shoot most of the rebels, though Samming escapes. The two men then take the Dwyers to a nearby safe house. Hammond reveals he and Kenny secretly work on behalf of the British government. Now, I don't want to give this all away here. So what I'm going to do, folks, I'm going to come back from the break. We're going to play the clip. Then I will read the rest of this description. But I got to play you the clip because we're at the part. I gave away too much that they secretly work for the British government. Don't worry. We're going to hit this uh, clip, and I'm going to show you how this all ties in. I really want you to understand this because it's going to lead into the book that my wife read which is not connected to this movie. And then we'll continue our discussion here, analyzing the International Monetary Fund and these central bankers that just appear whenever there are problems. And right now we've been going through COVID land, the high school theater production, worldwide inflation, energy crisis, climate change, all of the problems that these people create in order to provoke the reactions and then offer the solutions. And the solutions create more problems, but further drive you into their technocratic prison planet system. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back right here on this system, the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 